0: morning. It was fun to go down to Valley Bible Chapel, be with a bunch of teens, um, play some games. We had some breakout questions. The teenagers actually talked to each other. That was nice. I was going to say a lot more, but my brother already covered it when he did announcements. Now my notes are all messed up. I wanted to remind us today of the story. We're not going to really be um, in this story a lot. Um, but in First Kings chapter 19, we have the story of Elijah. And remember what just happened. The story might be familiar for some of us. He's just had an amazing victory where fires come down from heaven, consumed everything. He has executed the prophets of Baal. He has then gone to Ahab. And the drought is over. He has experienced a personal miracle where he outruns the chariot. So he's got a miracle where he sees God do a work publicly. He experiences a personal miracle where he is running faster than a chariot. Then he gets a death threat from Jezebel. And she basically says, by this time tomorrow you'll be dead so his reaction is in verse 3, 1 Kings chapter 19, and verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better Than my father's an angel comes and gives him food. Skip to verse nine. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. What are you doing here, Elijah? The question is simple. Was it right for Elijah to run? It's a death threat. You would think the miracles might give him a little courage. Is it okay for him to isolate himself and go be by himself? I think that's why God asks the question what are you doing here? Today, I want to read two verses in Proverbs chapter 18. Again, some of your translations might be different. I like mine for the context. (laughs) Verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much that you... Uh, did not isolate yourself. You left heaven. Uh, you came down and were with the people. Thank you so much for your grace. Oh, Lord, again, today we pray that we would be encouraged in the faith, that your spirit would uplift us, that we might know your love and your peace, that you would do a mighty work. I pray that you would be honored and glorified above all. In your name, amen. Now, just real quick, what does it mean when it says he isolates himself? It means to break off, to separate yourself with a break. It's not really not a nice thing. And the idea there is that, like I said, you're separating. Now, I have problems with candy bars sometimes. I'm going to tell you my mental thought process. I like Kit Kats, not necessarily because of the flavor of the Kit Kat, but you can break it off and then feel like you had four candy bars instead of one. I don't know if anyone can relate that with me. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so it's a weird game. So you, you break it and you're like, man, I had one, I got three left. You break another one. Okay, But the idea is I'm thinking of this is it was never supposed to be four candy bars. It's really one. And we break it into pieces. When it comes to body life and our faith, we have been preaching about, we have read and been taught from John 17, we are called to be one body without breaks. And yet, are we more like The Kit Kat bar that has a piece over here and a piece over there. We're just trying to get along. It's a warning in Proverbs. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. We're not called to isolate. Now, you might say, hey, Jesus spent time alone. That's true. Mark 1.35 says he got up early in the morning. To go be alone with his father. We've been talking about hermeneutics and youth group. You got to look at the context of why he's going alone. Because he has been with the crowds of people for hours upon hours. And he has to get up beyond early just to have some time alone with his father. And he's actually found. By one of the disciples, when he's trying to get alone time, going, they want you. They want you. So yes, there's a portion that says we take heed to ourselves, spend time alone with God. It's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the fact that it's all too easy for us to isolate ourselves. To isolate ourselves. I don't want to talk about the warnings of the Bible. And that as hard as it might have been for Elijah to not go running. As hard as it might have been to have real death threats, he should not have done what he did. He should not have took off running and just completely put himself alone with no one around. I would like to talk about three reasons why we should not be isolated or break off from even fellowship here at Brantford Bible Chapel. Three reasons why you don't just break off and kind of do your own thing. Isolation comes in many, many ways. Can you be in a crowded room and be isolated? Absolutely. So I, it's, it's a thing that the Spirit of God has to do this morning when it begs the question, are we isolating? I can't answer that for you. We're all in the room together I will tell you this I get paid I get paid by the town of Southington to make sure my students do not sit in complete silence while they eat their lunch because that's what they would do it's a pretty fun job I get paid to talk But I am even amazed, as as some of you know, I got a new job this fall and working with a different clientele. They have absolutely no problem sitting in a room with 15 people at a table and you don't hear a sound for 45 minutes. It's not awkward to them. It's not weird. They eat in silence. They get on their devices in silence. Not awkward at all. I get paid to make sure that doesn't happen because we call it children with disabilities. And yet, I don't think it's that abnormal for some of us to get together and be in absolute silence. One of the reasons we need to be careful. There's no one there to help you when you fall. If you isolate yourself. Elijah is suicidal. That sounds, whew, but that's the truth. And again, I'm not blaming his feelings. I would be scared too. And I would like to think the fire from heaven and the running and all that might encourage me a little more, but I'd probably be just like him. He's suicidal, saying God just ended. He ran away and he didn't even bring food. He didn't bring his, he didn't bring anything. He just ran away and isolated himself. He put himself in a spot where he needed fellowship the most. He isolated himself so that there's literally no one to help him and talk to him. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says this in verse 9. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you fall, who's there to help you? If you get attacked, you'll probably get overthrown. But not if there's two of you. It's Very hard to take down two people, regardless if you have no physical strength or not. Elijah needs help. There's no one there. And the interesting thing is that we would be a people reading our Bibles... Saying we daily need Jesus, and yet don't really think we need help. Well, I don't like to ask for help, but I need a lot of it. My wife is good at this, and there's so many of you in this room. I think I've said this before. Um, It seems like somehow I'm always fixing something, and I'm really not good enough to fix it. So I ask some of you. Help me along. But I've said before over and over, there's numerous times my wife has said, why can't you just call so-and-so? And I go, mm. <laughs> And it's to my shame. It's whatever. like the person has said to me over and over, buddy, yeah, come on, we're friends. And I get mad at you if you don't ask me for help. <laughs> but when I need your help, nah, I don't know. But at least I make the phone call, probably because Kim's like, I really need it done. Can you call that person? <laughs> there was a story of a girl who was three years old. and One night, she wanted help getting undressed so she'd get into her PJs. She was at the top of the stairs, and her father was Downstairs. And she said, can you help me? And the dad said, you know how to undress yourself. Yeah, she said, but sometimes people need people anyway, even if they know how to do the things by themselves. Is that not true of us? When I say I need your help in this walk, I don't need you to teach me something all the time. I don't need you to give me the answer. Sometimes I know the answer. I just need your help in actually applying it. I probably could do it on my own. But you know what? I'm a weak sinner. So I need your help. I need your help. And when you isolate yourself, and you don't let people in, when you do fall, and I say when you do, because that's what the Bible says, that we will stumble. I hope there's someone there to help pick you up because that's one of the jobs of the church. But if you're like me and you struggle ever asking for help, typically you're going to sit alone after you fall and it'll probably get worse. The second warning is who are you listening to? When you isolate yourself. The second part of this verse. Says he rages. Against all wise judgment. The person who isolates themselves. Seeks their own desire. It's all about their desires. And their wants and their wishes. And they rage against someone. Trying to give them wise judgment. That would never be us. I want you to know how it plays in your own mind. I can't imagine Elijah sitting there by himself and having his own thoughts coming to his head. I'm a prophet. I just saw the Lord do this. I, I got to go back, and yet when there's no one else to talk to, you very easily can trick your own mind into going, oh, I, "Yeah, I, yeah, I think I saw a fire coming down." Yeah. Again, I'm not saying he did any of this. I'm just saying I know how minds work. And there's so many times where we need someone else in our life to go, no, you remember, the fire came down. (laughs) Elijah, I saw you you execute all those prophets. You told me the story how you outran Ahab. No, no, that's the reality, Elijah. That's the reality. You got to hear that. God will protect you. He already has. But when he's all by himself, he's got no friend to do that. He's got no one he can listen to. How do you know if you've isolated yourself? Or if you're in this kind of uh, idea of not wanting to hear wise thinking? You get angry. The proverb says he rages against all wise judgment. The story goes, as has been told sometimes in my house, of I was madly in love with my high school girlfriend. And uh, that's a whole other story. You probably shouldn't be madly in love at 17. But I wouldn't really say in love, but, you know, whatever it was, I was head over heels. So I do remember, and it's always funny, These these are the notes in my, you know, in my paper here, and now my father and mother are here. <laughs> Didn't know that was happening. But they know the story; they were there, they lived it. But there's a point where we we're at the dinner table one night, and uh, I, you know, I we were doing the high school breakup or something—I forget the details—and I was distraught. I was distraught, and uh, for, this isn't Kim, by the way. This is someone else. Before you go talk to Kim, be like, what? <laughs> and it is, something happened where I, I said something about my girlfriend at the time, Elsa, and my father said, kind of like, hey, you better, you better watch out. You're not going to marry this girl. Right? That, that's not that bad of advice. rages he rages against all wise judgment I yelled at my father I wanted no one in the world to mess with what I wanted. I wanted, and again, it sounds so stupid, at 17, I wanted this girl to be the one. And even in my heart, I knew she wasn't. And when I heard wise judgment, I flipped out. I would like to, again, encourage us to see our reactions when people here at Brainford Bible Chapel might encourage you with some wise judgment. And if anger is your first response, I would like to encourage you, you're probably the one with the problem. Because even if they give horrible advice, it shouldn't make you angry. But typically our anger will show us that we're prideful and that we are seeking our own desire and don't come near my own desires. It says a fool delights not in understanding but in uncovering his heart. That's verse 2. When you do not delight, when you're not excited about actually getting the truth, actually understanding a situation, the Bible calls you foolish. The only thing you care about is expressing your own heart. The Bible calls you foolish. Now, I want to talk about generationally right now how we're, how we're kind of doing it like this as a culture. So in other words, when we talk about isolation, how much is our phones actually isolating us. I know we've talked about this before for the pulpit sometimes, but I'll read you an article right now that talks about uh, children. This was an article in the New York Times. It was written, I think, back in September. "As As students return to school in the coming weeks, there will be close attention to their mental health. Many problems will be attributed to the COVID pandemic, But in fact, we need to look back further to 2012. That's when rates of teenage depression, loneliness, and self-harm and suicide began to rise sharply. By 2019, just before the pandemic, rates of depression among adolescents nearly doubled. When we first started to see these trends in our works as psychologists studying Generation Z, those born after 96... We were puzzled. The U.S. economy was steadily improving over those years, so economic problems stemming from the 2008 recession were not to blame. It was difficult to think of any other national event from the early 2010s that would be reverberated through the decade. We came to suspect the same culprits, smartphones in general and social media in particular. Gene discovered that 2012 was the first year that a majority of Americans owned a smartphone, by 2015, two-thirds of teenagers did. This was also the period when social media used moved from optional to ubiquitous among adolescents. Again, I just want to challenge us with the times that we live in, and the idea of "Are you isolating yourself?" And the proverb would say, "You're raising against all-wise judgment." And in this point, I'm saying, "Who do you listen to?" We are living in times where if you don't like the opinion, you just get to get out of the article. You don't like what they say? Eh. You don't like what they post? Eh. Or you get to attack it. Not like, not like, not like. If you like the opinion, nah, retweet, repost, share. That's right, I'm using, I'm using social media language, I know. My daughters are laughing at me. Okay, like it, heart it, all that stuff. Okay, And it actually isolates yourself because there's no one saying, uh, wait a minute, I might like that post. What? I don't really agree with that. What? You're all by yourself on a phone, somewhere like in your bedroom. And all your thoughts are running. And no one's talking to you. But this is how we're talking. And the youth of today... There's so many studies right now that their depression, their suicide, their anxiety is just completely shooting through the roof because the only thing they know is their phones. It's the only thing they know. Who are we listening to? It is easier now than ever in the times we listen to where you really don't have to have personal interaction with people. You can just stay home, stay on your phone watch some TV, order your food through Amazon. We are living in times where we do not need people in that way. And the Bible warns us about isolating ourselves. You need other believers to speak wise judgment into your life. Finally, the other big warning here when you isolate yourself is that the church is weakened. We would remember in 1 Corinthians 12, right, that great chapter that talks about we are all members of one body and some are the eyes and some are the toes and, and how they all work together and things of that nature. Well, if you break off like the word says, that means part of the body's missing. You don't think it's going to affect us? You see, one of the problems with isolation is this. You honestly think that you're only affecting yourself. You honestly think that you're not affecting other people by going away from people. It's just a lie. I have never had to be more aware now of social settings now that some of my students are in wheelchairs. I have to go out in the community a lot. I'm what, 43 years old? I have never in my life thought about handicap access. I do now. Why? Because I have students whose legs really don't walk. They really, you know, they're confined to a wheelchair. Every single time they go out in public, it affects where we go. Because they're not using the whole part of the body. Amazing. When we had snow, the roads roads are plowed, the sidewalks are plowed, the on-ramp to the sidewalk, not plowed. Never would have, in a million years, say, who cares? I cared that day. I had to push a child through snow with oncoming traffic on an on-ramp. It's amazing how much when the body doesn't work, it will affect people. We have to transport these students in different vehicles. The days they're not in school, we take any van we want, pile in, guys. The days they're there, we need on ramp vehicles. That vehicle only holds eight, the other holds 12. It changes all the plans. If you think you, whatever part of the body you are here at Brantford Bible Chapel, you isolating yourself doesn't affect every single one of us, you are completely wrong. It's not about you. <laughs> if we have people that are the feet in this assembly that are supposed to go share the good news, but you've isolated yourself, guess what's happening? No sharing of the gospel. Now, again, I'm talking like a man. I'm not saying God's word doesn't go off. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking very practically what 1 Corinthians 12 says. You're a hand in the assembly, and you isolate yourselves, and you break off. People aren't getting served. That's just the way it works. You affect body life. We don't get to say, I choose whether or not I'm in the body. You are in the body. You are part of this local fellowship. You isolate yourself, things happen. Life happens. Will we adjust? Sure. Does God's work go on? Sure. Don't act like it doesn't affect people. You know what Elijah did? As soon as he kind of went back, the next chapter is when he passes the mantle on to Elisha. The number one way he got out of isolation was to completely invest in someone else. To the point where when he's about to go to heaven, because I kind of see it like Elijah being like, Elisha, get out of here. He said, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. That's what Elijah says to Elisha. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Seems like Elijah was never alone again. Because he invested in someone else. And that dude, Elisha, he clinged right on. I ain't going anywhere. You want to help your isolation? We've said it before. Instead of waiting for someone to come into your life and help you, why don't you go talk to someone else? It will help you with your isolation. A lot of warnings about isolating ourselves, God. Guys, God does not want us to isolate ourselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again that you are an amazing God. Lord, help us. It's uh, it's easy. It's very easy to isolate ourselves nowadays. Um, we have so much at our fingertips. We don't even need to go to the bank to get our money. We just use our phones. We buy what we want online. We can communicate through texting and never opening up our mouths. Lord, help us to see the beauty that you are the head and we are the body and that you would want us to be one as you and the Father are one. You'd want us to be unified. You want us to realize how we affect each other. Again, Lord, help us. There are those of us who want to isolate and maybe for good reason great reasons like elijah had i pray that you would strengthen them today that your spirit would do a work that they might be able to get out of some isolation i pray for those who do if they're talking to some of us that we will be wise with our words we wouldn't say something stupid to put them right back in isolation in your name amen